That's the spirit. You'll be celebrating life day before you know it. Stand by. Here's where we say goodbye to our unpleasant friends. Special. Welcome, nerds, to episode 83 of Nerdables and our special May the 4th Star Wars Day podcast. On this episode, Rich and I discuss what a galaxy far, far away means to us, and we're going to answer a quick Star, Star Wars superlative, just some questions to kind of gauge our fandom. I'm going to info dump all you guys, because uh, I wrote this, so I'm going to read it. <laughs> Uh, May 25th, 1977 changed not only film going forever, but also a lot of lives. As Star Wars and its sequels were released over the next six years, a global phenomenon grew. Toys, comics, books, TV, household fixtures, everything was emblazoned with Star Wars or something to do with Star Wars. Then after Return of the Jedi came and went, the comics ended and the toys disappeared. And then came the dark times. Dun, dun, dun. Years went by... And in 1987, West End Games released Star Wars The Role-Playing Game. As fans clamored for new material, Bantam Books realized that they should probably do something about this and released the book Heir to the Empire by Timothy Zahn in spring of 1991. And very soon, Star Wars was back. In the next decade, comics, books, games, and toys would roar back into stores. And less than 10 years later, a new film would be in theaters worldwide and Star Wars would be a global phenomenon yet again. Yay! In October of 2012, Disney would purchase Lucasfilm for the paltry sum of $4 billion and immediately announce an overreaching arc of new films, books, comics, games, and a marketing and merchandising push the world and the galaxy has never seen. Obviously, uh, May the that, 4th. Was that a today. pun? Yeah. Well, it wasn't really a pun. It was just sort of there. Um, May the 4th today, when recording this, is becomes Star Wars Day. A unofficial official holiday to celebrate this franchise, this thing that I think Phenomenon. no one has ever seen in any way, shape, or form. No movie, no franchise, no brand has ever captured the global consciousness. I mean, outside of religion, <laughs> well, and, uh, in a way that Star Wars to be has. A religion. Yeah, uh, that that that's happened as well. Yeah, and I, I don't think of one single thing because you can think of like marvel or dc or something that's become big but that's you know many many characters for many many different stories it's very a fractured sort of thing i mean there yeah. are probably as many marvel fans but i think it just doesn't in terms of this worldwide sort of thing i mean this is star wars is not only big in america it's huge in japan it's mm -hmm. huge in australia it's huge in europe it's huge in asia well, i always uh, joke that you know there's some tibetan monks sitting in the alps you know, or the Andes. The only know. movies he's ever seen are Star Wars. Yeah, you know, that knows what Star Wars is, you know. Yeah, it's it's pretty it's, it's harder to find people that haven't seen Star Wars. And even then they they know of it. You yeah. Know, comic books has gotten to this uh, to this point a little bit where even people that aren't attached to anything kinda know who Superman is, who Spider Man you, is. Do you think that even like comic books and things like that would be as big if not for Star Wars? Um a possibility. I mean, comic books were pretty big when Star Wars happened. You got to remember. I mean, Marvel was huge in the '60s and early '70s. So, but, but with times have changed. You know, I mean, yeah. Well, again, this is something that we just discussed a little while ago when we thought that Star Wars could get as big as it got during the prequels or right after. Mm -hmm. We're like, yeah, this is about as big. You know, there's toys and there's comics and there's games. This is as big all, as it's this is as big get. as going to get. And then Lucasfilm bought it. and We're like, how much bigger can it get? I mean, and then we went to Celebration. Yeah, and went holy 
Frack from another franchise. I mean, this is this is amazing. A hundred thousand people at celebration. I don't think there's ever been a single you know film or a single genre or even a single piece of a genre that has held a convention that big. No, nothing's going to inspire this. And the fact that you have these type of conventions that have become, you know, in Star Wars conventions, mm-hmm. these these celebrations that has become so big just for one franchise, one brand. I mean, it's such a huge part of these other pop culture yeah. films, too. I mean, Comic-Con for years has always had Friday as its Star Wars day. Mm-hmm where they would have almost all of their Star Wars panels and that sort of thing. And now that's kind of blown up as they have Star Wars panels every single day. Also, we see all the costumers and stuff. I mean, when I was going to Comic-Con a decade ago, Friday was the day you saw all the Stormtroopers and all the mm-hmm. Jedi and stuff like that. And they didn't dress up for all four days, and now they do. So, Well, even Alban Johnson, who started the uh, 501st, you know, is amazed at how big it's grown. I mean, it's, it's now a worldwide, you know, nonprofit organization. Yeah. Just Which in is, terms of that, you know, it, it's amazing how how it's grown. It's amazing how it's grown in just you know, we said October two thousand twelve. It hasn't even been three years well, since Disney, Disney's purchased it, and you know, we knew that Disney would be doing something with it when it purchased it. Mm-hmm. We were talking about it at the time, and we were just like, "Yeah, they're going to make new films. They're going to do these things." But we don't really know how much they're going to do and how big it's going to be and where they're going to get their their fingers into. Right. Not in a, and not in a negative way, but just saying. I mean, it's it's. Everywhere. There's well, everything everything you can think of. And, and the mer- merchandise and everything that happened in the 80s was huge. And we saw it with episode one. Right. The merchandise for episode one was everywhere. I mean, it was... It was candy. It was it well was in the eighties. There, were, I mean, there yeah, was, it was, it was there was sheets and t shirts and all the stuff. Yeah, and we didn't think and... that we would really see that again outside of a movie. But you're sitting here now, last year, being a year and a half away from a film, and there's already Star Wars stuff. Everywhere. Well, Coles had told their employees today is Star Wars Day, wear a Star Wars t shirt. Yeah. You know, I mean, Amazon had a link just for May the 4th. There's a couple of places that had special uh, yeah. deals for today. But you and I were joking. When Disney first bought it, one of the things they said was Star Wars was un- under merchandised. And we laughed at that because of how merchandised Star Wars was. Yeah. But to think about where it went and where it is now, within, the, like you just said, a short time. It's crazy. It's crazy. Very, it's, it's, it's amazing to see what they had done. And when people ask you, you know, what do you think about, and, and we'll, we'll get that into the superlative of what do you think about when Disney bought it, I usually bring that sort of thing up. It's like, you know, Disney knows how to get their product everywhere. Right. In every, every niche, every corner, and get it to stick. And you had something that was already in all those corners and all those all those niches and they just kept flooding it and flooding it and and not really in a bad way. I don't think there's a lot of people no. that are out there. If you're a Star Wars fan, are you really upset with the fact that it's so much easier to find Star Wars product now? No, I, you know, you I know? said it a few weeks ago when I was at one of the Disney outlets and I saw little girls, you know, crying because their mom and dad wouldn't get them a Star Wars thing. That's when I really, you know, I really realized that it's grown past what it was when I was that age. Yeah, and it's definitely, I think, you know, you talk about comics being as big as, you know, would comics be as, as big, that, that comic culture be as big as it was if it wasn't for Star Wars? I'll tell you what it wouldn't be is this geek girl phenomenon sort of thing oh, yeah. and this acceptance of women in, in this sort of culture. I think a lot of that started with Star Wars. I think mm-hmm. it started with Star Wars. It continued with video games as it was easier to to get into that world and be able to be really good in it. I think it really started with Star Wars. There was a lot of women that, that opened up and said, I, I enjoy Star Wars. I enjoy Star Wars for... 
everything that it is in terms think, of stories and tech and everything and, and the sci-fi aspects and, and accepting it and owning it and being able to get out there and say, I can wear a Star Wars t-shirt, I can wear Star Wars shoes, I can wear a Star Wars hat, I can have an R2-D2 you know, R2-D2 earrings, or I can have that sort of thing. I can thing. wear an R2-D2 bikini. Too, yeah, yeah, and it doesn't, uh, you know, I think that the, the big push in, in that acceptance or whatever that you want to call it for the, the female fandom, I think a lot of that owes itself to Star Wars being so huge and being able, to, people can connect through it. Do you think that's why Disney's making more of a push now to make female characters in the movie? Oh, yeah. That, 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 that's stupid. Yeah. You know, you look, look at Ahsoka. Yeah. You know, Ahsoka was a character that a lot of us seemed to hate when the first movie came out, and she's legions of fans. Oh yeah. So, you know, and, and it starts with you know Princess Leia. Princess Leia is no is no slouch yeah. in that first film. She's not a you know she's a damsel in distress, but she's not completely. She needs them to open the door, but once you notice, once the door opens, mm-hmm. she's leading them out of the Death Star. I'm wondering when Disney's going to make her an official princess in the park and everything. Mm-hmm. And everybody's that. talking about it, and I, I think it's it's going to happen soon. Um, but yeah, so you had some questions. Let's yeah, so what we did is I kind of came up with a superlative, just something very quick to kind of hit on some topics. And we've done sort of these like Star Wars memories ones before, but we mm-hmm. just like, tried to concentrate it a little bit more. And since it's just the two of us, I was gonna say now that easier. we don't have Ethan here and then traps. Well, it's also I mean, yeah, when there's like five or six of us, sometimes this takes a long a while, and we've got a couple of shows to record. So um, the first thing I always had was, what was your earliest Star Wars memory? Like, what's the first thing that you like you have? Firm and focus in your mind that you can remember from Star Wars. So I remember going to see the movie, but obviously the trailer before it, you know, and and seeing the trailer and wanting to go to the movie. But even more so, the uh, the early bird Star Wars figures. You know, I, I when they I had them, I remember getting them in the mail and waiting for them to come in the mail. And when I first received them, they came in a little white package. And it was also like one of the first pieces of mail that came with my name on it too. So you know, I didn't ever really think about that. That's probably a first memory for a lot of kids like that. Yeah, I never really thought of it that way. It's but, the first package I ever got. But yeah, now I remember ripping them open, and I took them everywhere with me. You know, I have I have pictures of you know every year. You know, my mom would do pictures, and we'd do school pictures and stuff like that. And I had them in almost every picture we took for that first year. And yeah, that's. that's it's just a shame that that it. toy technology never got any farther. <laughs> it's all the same. <laughs> We've reverted back to it. Um, my other story is I don't remember. I don't think I saw it when it was first released because I was only one. Um, but I definitely remember going to see it when it was re-released the year mm-hmm. before Empires. Back then, kids, there was no DVDs and there was no tapes or anything like that. They used to re-release films when there were sequels coming up. But you could get a a eight millimeter copy of it. Yeah, but it was silent, and you had to have the D- the record with it. Yeah. Oh, the record! I love um, that. So yeah, so my my earliest Star Wars memory is is seeing the film, and the thing that I I still remember is coming home and telling my father about it, yeah. and describing the whole the, the the last sequence, the Death Star sequence, and you know Vader spinning off into space, and the Millennium Falcon shows up, and the thing explodes, and I can still remember like sitting at the dining room table at dinner telling him all about it. Yeah. Um. So that's the earliest one for me. Uh, I remember it, when Empire came out that I couldn't wait for winter to get there <laughs> just so I could go out and do the Battle of Hoth. Yeah, well, I lived out here, so there's no <laughs> such thing as snow. Um, we had a good we had a good snow that year. Speaking of Empire, I mean, that, that kind of goes into my second question because I know my answer to this. But, and it's kind of a big one, but we'll try to keep some of this. Why 
does this franchise mean so much to you? Because it's been with me for my entire life. I mean, not you know, I, people you, you hear all the times. Oh well, you know, Star Wars shaped me. Star Wars is what you know made me who I am. As, you know, like as filmmaker, actor, whatever. To me, it, I mean, it really it's it's been ingrained in me my entire life. I it it's the first thing that I was passionate about. You know, and that passion has been with me ever since. You, know, you you mentioned the dark time. Yeah, that dark time was really dark. The dark times. And when the first things came out, uh, you know, the, there were these little bend. I think I've even mentioned it before. These little crazy bendable ones that mm-hmm. were just cheap. There was nothing. They looked crappy. And just because it was something Star Wars in a package to buy, I you know went nuts to find them all. Yeah. See, for me, it really has to do with Empire. Um, as one of the first films I saw when I was old enough or older that I could kind of appreciate the film for what it was, but it also got me very interested in movie making. Like I knew as I'm watching it going, I, I know they didn't build an ad at in real size. So how did, how did they do this? Like yeah. where, wh- where did this come from? Where, where, how did they get these little, how did they get these spaceships to work? How did, how did they get these things? So that was the first time that I remember like trying to ask questions and track down, magazines or anything that would you know explain that behind the scenes process and it got me interested in story too it was one of the first things that i remember wanting to know more wanting to like get into why this story developed the way it was mm-hmm. and obviously all the pieces that that make empire into that classic film that you absolutely love a lot of that to me is where it just hit home with me for empire and going forward from that, you know, the franchise went so much because the same thing, it was like, it was always a part of my life. It was something where those toys, you were able to develop your own stories with them, you know, more so than, than kind of any of the other stuff I had. Uh, cause you had a basis that you could kind of jump off of. I still remember having the rebel transport and Luke and Han were in it. And I just like for a yeah. whole summer, it was the adventures of Luke and Han, you know, running around my house. I used to take the death star and I would take the, um, you know, the elevator that came. The elevator out. was the only thing I had left. The elevator became a rocket ship and everybody, you know, would I, think I, used, I think I used it as a cannon. I seem to remember one where it was like the whole mission was to shut down the cannon or whatever. So you mentioned, you mentioned empire being the one that, you know, introduced you to filmmaking and things like that. When I first saw Star Wars, you know, I was five. I still, you know, I still believe that the people inside the TV were actually inside the TV. Yeah. You know, when I first saw Star Wars, I thought it was real. And it wasn't until maybe a year and a half later, I got like the, they had, they put out this book that it was kind of like a a Star Wars, you know, it showed you pictures from the making of it and stuff like that. And I remember there was this one picture uh, and I forget who it was uh, uh, that had one of these small little model X-Wings. And it almost looks like he's blowing it up because the way the picture shot, it, it looks like the, one of the S-Foils is in his mouth. And then it showed, you know, Lucas. They're with, not models. They're all balloons. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's what at first I thought. I was like, oh, these are balloons. You know, but then they showed the one of Lucas with, you know, I think it was on Jedi with everything behind him. Yeah. Uh, but you know they started showing more of those pictures. But there was like the the stuff with the Death Star. They showed a couple pictures of that, it was, and that's when I realized that it was something more than just you know it was trickery. 
Yeah, I was, still remember the first, was the first time yeah. I saw the picture. That's what what part of it with Empire was, the picture of Phil Tippett with the Adap model on a table. Uh huh. You know, with the Dijkstra camera yeah, and everything, with, with yeah. everything around it. That was just like, uh, you know, realizing that oh, that's how they did it. They, they used a smaller piece, and then they're able to intercut the film and and make the whole thing work. So. Yeah, and they used the, the great matte paintings and oh, that's that's the lost art. Yeah, the that's, I remember that's the a lost art at all. The first matte painting that I really noticed, the lost art of the lost ark. The first one I noticed was the uh, Bespin. Bespin was great. I think the first time I really like realized the power of matte painting is Jedi because of the hangers. Yeah, both the Rebel hanger and the Imperial hanger, uh-huh. the Death Star hanger were matte paintings with you know plates. Well, the, on them. the uh, the everything around like where they where the uh, transport comes or the shuttle comes in. Yep. Because it had remember that at the very top of it, it had the Tie bomber. Yep. And it was up there, and I was yeah, like, it was all and the way that they did matte painting with with perspective and all of that was was pretty crazy, and to figure out where the plate was going to be and how would you you would put it on it. Yeah. So we spoke of the the dark times. Yes. Uh, within about a year or two after Jedi, um, the the comic stopped. The Marvel comic stopped at one hundred and seven, and that was the last original story content for five. Oh, geez, almost a decade, really. Whether you're going to count, you know, whether you count the West End game stuff, and, and we really should because it it's probably the most important thing outside of the first film being released. The most important thing that happened in star Wars history with West end games, buying the license Mm -hmm. to do the role playing games. Um, So there's this point in 1983, terrible time for it to stop because this little other three and three quarter figure started and it was called GI Joe and they had guns and cool vehicles and cool bad guys. And then after a little while, their arms moved sideways and they could hold their guns better and there was so much stuff. But it was also the Kung Fu grip, remember? It was everything. That well, was, that was it. The, the swivel arm battle grip, yeah. you know, and the stuff would move by that second release. Where now, because that was also the, I mean, there was the, that was towards the very end line of Jedi. And I always remember how the lines work. Because, you know, if you looked at the back of the card, the last row of Jedi stuff was like almost impossible to find. Yeah, because it wasn't being made. Yeah. That was the the last thing. Once those power of the force coins, yeah, hit that first one, and then and then there was one more series. But yeah, within, I think it's within a year of Jedi leaving the theaters. You know, it was by August of eighty four. It was it was there was no more toys, and then well, that, that's not true. There was the droids and uh, Ewoks. Yeah, but that stuff was so hard to find, and too. that was impossible. I yeah. mean, it was basically once the major motion pictures were done, the the everything just dried up. You know, there were still cartoons there, but even then, droids and Ewoks really only lasted a season or two. And there were some comics for them, of course, um, but it really wasn't anything that had reached that kind of global consciousness. So I had I had the question earlier, like, did you ever fall off the wagon? And I have to admit that I did. I never got rid of any of my stuff. And once in a while, I would go back to it. But I was a G.I. Joe dork. I had as much as I could get my hands on. And that became the focus of really the next... It was kind of the filler, yeah. Well, I wouldn't even say filler, because I think that that cheapens it to a certain degree. I mean, it became the outlet for a lot of the creativity that I, you know, the stories I wanted to do or the, the you know, playing with stuff and, and, and reading comics and books and stuff like that. The comic took over. That was the only comic mm-hmm. I was reading um, but do you think when it, Star Wars stopped. And, and then really, the toys were just, that's all I would play with. But can you really call it falling off the wagon? Because, as you said, there really wasn't any Star Wars, you know, there wasn't any new content. You know, the droids cartoon, the, the Ewoks cartoon was very, very short-lived. 
The Ewoks, you know, live action TV shows. Let's, let's not talk about those. Those are very short lived. Those are canon, by the way. Uh, we'll, we'll discuss that later. <laughs> um, but there wasn't anything, and GI Joe did come in, you know, and filled that gap for you know, yeah. really for half. Well, in terms for, of falling uh, off the wagon, it's just sort of like for Kenner, really, it wasn't something that was as daily or as weekly, even or whatever. Like I said, I never got rid of my Star Wars stuff, and once in a while, I, I would I would bust them out and set up the the stormtroopers. I remember how excited I was because I actually had three stormtroopers from the same guy who has now twenty six GI Joe. Cobra shock troopers at some point. Did you uh, ever cross the? You know, no. I was I was really adamant <laughs> about that. I had a friend who did that once, like put a C three PO and a Sky Striker, and I'm like, no, 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 this isn't this isn't happening. Yeah, nope. even though they were the same size, nope. I didn't. Let's let's nope. We got to keep that separate, and it's hilarious now as as I try desperately to seek out as much three and three quarter as I can to mash stuff up. But see, but. even there were even other things that came around. You know, He Man got big then, and Transformers Literally. started. Started coming out. And yeah, I had a lot of He-Man stuff. I didn't have a lot of Transformers stuff because it's too expensive. Um, and then there were, you know, Mask and all the other stuff. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, Star Wars really did. You know, right about that time when when G.I. Joe and all that started really becoming, you know, the focal point, even for me, you know, I was picking up every G.I. Joe thing I could. Yeah. Um, there, that's when it just was gone. Star, yeah. I mean, it just literally gone yeah there really wasn't anything and then you know, no one for me, talked about it no one yeah, yeah there wasn't really much other for me it was when i realized i was in a bookstore and i saw the west end game stuff in b dalton's in the mall there was a role-playing section it was mostly dungeon and dragons yeah. and stuff like that but there was the star wars role-playing game and i'm looking through it and there was some new art in it and there was a lot of old pictures and you didn't you didn't have that type of stuff there's no internet or anything right. it was like hey look there's a... but there was a source book yeah. Because if you wanted to be if you wanted to be a, a pirate, you had to know what vehicles you could use and how much they would cost and yada yada yada. But within that were these short stories. And even the 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 stuff that was being presented to you to use for the game was something that you started to, to realize that they were building their own world of like, how does the empire work? Right. You know, these are the different military formations and these are the different groupings and this is, you know, if, if you're out in the boondocks in the middle of nowhere on the outer rim, you used the juggernaut. Well, the juggernaut was, hey, Lucasfilm, we need, do you have like old designs? Is it? Okay, so this is what the ADAT was supposed to be originally? Okay, we're going to use that. This is the, pre- the predecessor of the ADAT. Okay, so we, time, need a, Lucas- we need a planet. We need a, like a planet for people to go to. Like where, where did the Empire, like where were they? Yeah. And the first draft of the of the movie had the word Coruscant as the planet. I'm like, okay, we'll take that and make that Imperial Center. It said Center. Coruscant City Planet, and that was about yeah, it. And that yeah. was it. And so within it also, they, they were contracting authors to do short stories to kind of flesh out these characters or do something fun. I still remember the General Veers story. It was like mm-hmm. how Major or Colonel Veers becomes General Veers is he's on this planet. And it's told as a story of he's sitting there and there's this ceremony where, you know, the, the governor or whatever of this planet is supposed to turn it over to the Empire. And they hold back the AT-ATs and he's just sitting there like, why would you not bring them? And sure enough, all these natives attack this Imperial group. He rushes over with the AT-AT. They all run away and they promote him to general for his quick thinking and the fact that he was a part of the design team or whatever. Right. Like, this is cool. And there was, you know, there were stories about Han Solo and all this stuff. And from there, people in the know were like 
fans want more stuff. We yeah. got to do something. And at that time, Lucasfilm was like, well, here, just take this stuff because you know we're yeah. not doing anything with it. So there's um, the last issue of Star Wars Insider has a, has a pretty interesting article on the Dark Horse. You know, it took Dark Horse three years to get Dark Empire printed. Was Banta Track still going on at that time? Very little. That was that was the one of the few things that I could find was a was the 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 Star Wars magazine it was yeah. basically the Lucasfilm magazine right and, it, well, and that's was why the the, it, it was it was yeah that's what it was Bantatrax was a little part in the back of it but it was, it was Lucasfilm it was magazine because there was Willow yeah, and all Tracks, the other I think started as a fanzine yeah and then it was kind of molded into as they made this magazine for fans of Lucasfilm films Raiders and Willow mm-hmm. and. Star Wars and eventually Tucker and, and all the other stuff that yeah, he Radio had done. And murder. I still yeah. remember the 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 issue that I tracked it down was like the Empire anniversary issue mm-hmm. in eighty eight was the five year anniversary of Empire and it was this huge uh interview with Irvin Kirshner and Lawrence Kasdan and David Prow or not, uh the James Earl Jones and, right. and that's where you learn that like on set Luke had no idea, Mark Hamill had no idea mm-hmm. that what the line was. And again, that's where part of it was like I started to learn more and more about how they built this whole world. It was fascinating. So yeah, that was because Bantatrax became Star Wars Insider. Well, eventually the Lucasfilm magazine became Star Wars Insider. It basically became once Last Crusade was over for Indiana Jones, and they weren't really producing anything. It was uh, everything that Lucasfilm right. was doing was a technical aspect in Skywalker Sound and ILM. So they said all people were really worried about or care about seemed to be the Star Wars thing, so we're just going to make a Star Wars fan And that's magazine. about the same time as it started to come back. Yeah, it was, it was a big part of it because mm-hmm. you got to hear from fans. It was the same thing here. People, I never played the role-playing game, not once. Yeah, I never played But it. I owned every source book. See, I don't, I don't because think... Because there was a ton of art. There was a ton. There was a ton of new art that you never saw because it was all archive stuff. It was all early designs and stuff that they took. And as the game started to grow, they started commissioning original art. Right. And it gave you stuff as 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 small, as cool as you would never think of is to have like a size chart. Yeah. You know, you saw you saw how big the star super star destroyer was next to the star destroyer in silhouette. And, and then all of a sudden they're like, here's the blast boat, and here's a here's a frigate you've never heard of before, and here's a carrot class cruiser, and this is a tie carrier, and you're like, mm-hmm. this is so cool. And it you started to kind of expand. The testament to it is almost all. All of that stuff got used in the EU. Yeah, the Skipray blast boat, which is in Timothy Zahn's *Heir to the Empire*, that that Mara Jade and uh, well, the Chase's Juggernaut Luke Skywalker got put in. in. Yeah. The Juggernaut's in the movie. Yeah, Coruscant's in the movie. Half the names are in the. I mean, it was it was incredible the impact that it has. And most people just point to *Heir to the Empire* as a start. Right. *Heir to the Empire* doesn't exist if West End Games never buys that that license. So, yeah, no, I, I agree. Yeah, I think that I had one of the source books that. I think my mom got it for me. Just she saw it and it was Star Wars and thought, "Oh look, you know he hasn't. You know, do you want this? Yeah, yeah." It was. I found a lot of amazing stuff in it. They used to have miniatures too. Yeah, they used to have the really cool like pewter miniatures. The, yeah, like, stuff that would pewter, probably yes. kill you now. Like, oh, this is all lead and it'll kill you. Yeah. Um, I had a lot of that too because that was the only like toy you could have. Um, so real quick, favorite film? Empire. Duh. <laughs> Why? Because <laughs> it's the best one. Um, it's the most intriguing one. It has. It's the most intriguing. It has my favorite has the biggest full sequence payoff. too, because the Hoth sequence is just amazing. Yeah. So that's always been my favorite. Uh, favorite moment. <sighs> that's tough. That's a tough question. Mine's easy. I think it has to be. I. 
the most impactful moment would be when Darth Vader said, I'm your father. See, mine was my favorite moment is pre Blu-ray release of Darth Vader saving his son when he throws the Emperor, chucks him into the into the core. Yeah. That's the best that's the best moment in all the See, years. I remember when when Darth when I saw Empire and I, I was I reacted just like Luke did. I was distraught. I I refused to believe it. There's no way Darth Vader can I remember not believing it oh, for two years. I no, and it I cried. I was oh I was a mess after it. I wasn't that bad because I just was like, nah, there's no way. I refused to believe it. There's no that's, that's impossible. <laughs> it's impossible. Yeah, I, I oh, had yeah, to say three PO and Yoda knew Chewbacca. Wait, I love what? that. Look, if you're not gonna take this seriously. <laughs> Uh, favorite book? Hmm. Um. Either it has to be the Timothy Zahn trilogy, Heir to the Empire, or even the Courtship of Princess Leia. Interesting. I like I like the I like the Death of More Witches. Yes, you do. I really do. I don't. Um. If I had to pick it as a series, I'd say X-Wing Rogue Squadron. I've always been more interested in the military side but of it. But you said books. Well, because there if, was if a it's book a single series. book, uh, I'd probably pick the first one because it set everything up. But I know I haven't read them in so long. Um, you're talking about a single book that's a single... Yeah, I don't know if there's a standalone book that I would sit there and say is really a favorite. I love the Thrawn trilogy. I love Michael Pico McDowell's. Black Fleet Crisis. I think that's one of the, about the Travis's, underrated. Uh... Travis's Republic Commando stuff is is amazing, um, and then the Legacy book series is fantastic as well. Uh, but if if I had to pick one, I'll I'll I'll, I'll stick with the X Wing Rogue Squadron. So I liked it. I, what I really loved about the Th- the Throne trilogy was you. It felt like the first thing that was after. I mean, it, it gave you uh, a new trilogy first of all, mm-hmm. and you know, it took Luke where he, you know, that he was older. I liked the introduction of Mara Jade. I liked, you know, even Well, Thrawn I think he did himself. a good job of Thrawn doing... Thrawn was a great villain. He does what, in that trilogy, what I said was really the great thing with the Legacy trilogy, too. And it's something that the Del Rey, which has the, the books now, their managing editor, Shelley Shapiro, says, is if you're going to tell it as a book, make it a book. Right. Don't make it the movie. And Legacy, as a series, the Thrawn trilogy, as a series... It can only be a book. Yes. You, you can't make a movie out of that. I mean, you can, but you're going to cut so much of what makes that book so wonderful. Right. Same thing with the, the, the legacy series that, that basically is the fall of, of Jason Solo is so intricate on so many levels. There is so much going on mm-hmm. between what's happening to Jason, what's happening to Ben Skywalker, what's happening to Luke, what's happening to the new Republic, what's right. happening to Mandalore and the Travis books that are in that series. I mean, it's just incredible. All the stuff that's happening, it can only be done as a book. Um, and I thought the Thrawn trilogy did that really well too. Yeah. Uh, favorite comic or comic series. Um, yeah, it was t- this one's tough. Um, I love the rogue squadron stuff. Um, that's mine. Yeah. I, figured. I, I, I had, the, I had a more visceral reaction to dark empire because it was, new and it was the first one and it's still amazing and i still think it's amazing but i connected with rogue squadron so much more and the art in that series as a whole oh my god 
Edwin Bakovic and Killian Plunkett did part of it, and John Nadeau did it. Oh, it's just fantastic. So See, if like, I'm going to take a series as a whole, I'm going to take I'm going to take Rogue Squadron. I also like the Tales of the Jedi stuff, um, especially when they tied Yavin into it. You know, the, when they when they made it. Um, Got ready to be for the Sith Wars, and they had right. they had Yavin because I thought I I liked how they 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 tied that to it. Um, but yeah, Rogue Squadron, even the Legacy series was great. Legacy series was great. Um, to me, Star Wars Invasion is incredibly mm-hmm. underrated. From someone like me that does not like New Jedi Order, I read two of the books and gave up. Yeah, I love that series, and part of it is the art. Colin Wilson's art in it is incredible. Um, like I said, Dark Empire is fantastic. Most of the stuff that that Dark um, Horse put out was the gen- yeah. I mean, it's, there's there's more hits than misses. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of really good stuff out there. The the regular the, the Star Wars ongoing, the Empire ongoing was really great. It's not Which, like there's a, there was a bad series you know in there, but if if I have to pick one, you know, if you say you can only read one Dark Horse book from again, it would be Rogue Squadron. Yeah. Which you know, it's really nice that um that Marvel has not just like shelved everything that they are putting that stuff that they put that stuff out so quickly i mean go back to whatever episode it was and i said i didn't think they would i I didn't see why they would release that stuff so quickly yeah and here it is and it's out there and they're doing a good job of like finding finding what makes sense that the empire one the first one that they released as an epic collection or whatever is like picks out the darth vader stories from a whole bunch of different pieces and, and the order 66 stuff so they've done a good job with that uh what was the other one i had oh favorite toy um, you can do classic and modern if you want. I know what yours is. What's mine? Did they add at? No, I never had it. Oh, I, did, I had I have it in the modern, but I've never even opened it. See, I think I think my favorite my favorite classic toy. If I had, I, to I know one, what it is. It's a Rebel Transport. It'd be the Rebel Transport because yeah. it was the biggest thing I had, and I used that thing like crazy. I used that. It would be that, and then the second one would be the Hoth playset with the bridge that it, that exploded. Yeah, it was like the the cannon was on it and everything. That was probably the second thing that I used over and over again. So but I, I, I the Rebel Transport was 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 mine in terms of classic. The Adat is probably because that was like the biggest toy I had, and it, you know it was so cool because you know it had the little you could make the guns fire on the front. Either that or the snow speeder. I love the snow speeder. Was great too. I use the snow speeder a lot. My snow speeder because the original one because it had the lights on the front where you know when you mm-hmm. press the button it would light the up. The whole thing would light up. That's back. So playing the, with those two together because I'd always do the you know the the rope around. Uh, so what toy did you want that you never got? It was the Adat. Adat. The Adat would be one, and then the shuttle Tidarium would be two. Yeah, I wanted I wanted the shuttle so bad, and I I always wanted the uh, the sand skiff from Jedi. Oh yeah! See, I did, by then it was so it was so hard to find that stuff. I never really even considered having it. Yeah, the, the ad would be the because that was my fa- that was one of my favorite designs ever. And you know, I'm a big dinosaur nut. It looks like a gigantic fucking dinosaur. Yeah. So I'm like, hey, that's what I want. But it, my parents could never afford that thing. See, at that time, at the time that the Tidarian came out, I was also getting GI Joe, and you know, my my mom was like, you know, this is a, this is big. You can't get this and keep getting. You can't keep getting both. And I had a friend I was that lucky. Had, I, had, I had so much Joe. <laughs> I had a friend. Oh, so did I. I had a friend that I think I had. It was the same time when the GI Joe um, command center came out. Yeah, the first, the first base. Yeah, the and I, I base. had that. So I think I, I got that. that instead of the Tidarian. 
Yeah, I never got the Tidarian because I, I think it was still no, too no. expensive. Oh, no. Because I had the Ewok Village because... I never had the Ewok problem. Village either. I think the last place that I remember having was Dagobah. But. The Ewok Village was the most versatile toy I think Kenner ever made. Cause they Robin used, Hood. They used it for, for They used it for droids. Ewoks. They used it for droids. Ewoks, yeah. and then they used it for Robin Hood also. Yeah. That was before like all these websites would tell you what everything was made out of. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you hate one of the films? Hate's a strong word. Well, you're at least the anger. <laughs> I don't hate any of the films because they're all part of the story. And, you know, I've always been the one that said, you know, this is as a writer, as an actor, as, you know, as somebody that's made their own creations. You know, I know that it's George Lucas's sandbox and he was letting us all play in it, you know, and be in it. But it ultimately comes down to him telling it, what stories he wanted to tell. So I don't hate Phantom Menace, but I find that there's parts of it that I it's wish like weren't a, there. A disappointment. Yeah, and, and and you know, and it was one of those things where, and I've said this before, the hype for Phantom Menace was so high. No one was ever going to like that. Film. That you could never live up to it. Well, that's it. I didn't hate it at the time, and I've been very vocal about this here, where I've taken a step back almost immediately, and I understand why they made the films they right. made. Because if you make the same three films, everyone would have just complained. Mm-hmm. Well, you just make the same three films. So he made three completely different films, which are different tonally, different stylized, different in look, different in sheen, everything with it. And everyone's like, why didn't you just make the same three films? So I wouldn't it's say I, I hate a film either. And, and even then, I look at something like Phantom Menace, and, and my disappointment in that film isn't even in the character. It's in when they're in Tatooine, you never feel they're in any danger. Yes. Like Maul's chasing them, but they're not chasing them. So you never really feel like they're in any danger. So my disappointment in the film is really from a choice of there's no tension in that whole middle sequence as we're introduced to Anakin and they're there in the pod race because it's not like there isn't enough of we have to get off this planet. We have mm-hmm. to get to Coruscant to get help. As as Padme would be saying, my people are dying. Yeah. They're being, you know, we have I mean, to do this. And you don't that. get that at all. And you don't even get it from Maul. Of them saying we've got to lie low, there's someone chasing us, there's, you know that sort of thing. So well, ninety nine percent of that of it, film was a chase film, and it doesn't have it doesn't attention. have that sort of thing. But it also has, to me, the best saber battle. I mean, that battle at the oh, end yeah. is amazing. So there, there's parts of it I enjoy. Well, even uh, Star Wars did a top ten saber battles. That was number one. Yeah, that to me is I, I love Anakin and Obi Obi Wan also, but that's there's something about that one, Anakin and it might just be because that's the first time you really see. Them moving that move that Ewan McGregor puts is in the front, and then Maul flips mm-hmm. flips the point around him, and he puts it behind his back. Second well, time I saw that, I screamed in the theater because I knew it was coming, and just came all woo! It was just awesome. I think the Anakin Obi Wan one was third. The second one was Luke Vader in Bespin. Luke Vader in Bespin because it has so much emotional weight. Yeah, um, it could be a better thing, but anyway, uh, is there a book you hate? Is there a book you read? You're just like ugh. Or a moment. Splinter of the Mind's Eye. Really? Interesting. Splinter of the Mind's Eye, you have to read it knowing that it was so so long ago. But I read it after Empire and everything. Yeah. And, and it, it just didn't fit for me. No, it does it still doesn't fit. Yeah. Uh do I hate a book? I think I came, Well, like I said, I don't hate it, but if I disliked one. I think most, I came to not necessarily hate, but really not get why people were so it was the Kevin J. Anderson series. The Jedi Academy one. 
Really? Yeah. I, are you talking about the kids? Uh, no, no. The the his his, oh, the com- his trilogy. With, oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, what's his face? Kip Duran and the Sun Crusher. Yes. And then the, just the thing that always sealed it for me is when they're they're on that they're on Yavin and Admiral Dahl's fleet is coming towards them. Let's just lock hands and push them out of the system. Boink, and it's just like, ugh. Yeah. Are you kidding? Well, even me? the Sun Crusher, you know. It was yeah, and the fact that you know Kip blows up an entire yeah. system. It, oh, it's uninhabited, but. That's the one where I kind of like, eh. um, do you hate any of the comics? Is there a comic that you read? You're just like, oh my God. Um, yeah, there, um, I'm trying to think which one it was. I remember the old Republic ones were terrible. Yeah. The, the old Republic ones, um, that first storyline for that, or the based off of the MMORPG, was just so bizarrely bad. Then the Leviathan one was pretty. I didn't. I was disappointed. Really disappointed in that one. Because I the the one that I have cartoon hate for, Empire's End. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Dark Imp- I don't like Dark Empire because there's there's pieces of it I really don't like, but I still love I Cam just Kennedy's art. It too far. And though I I always hated when like. When it became the thing where the force could be manipulated by it was like witchcraft. The, the yeah. force adepts in the Emperor's Circle were like using the force by moving their fingers into certain positions, like throw, you know, shooting gang signs and stuff. Yeah. Um but it still had Cam's art and there was still a little bit in it. And that third one, it doesn't have Cam's art. The Emperor is a caricature of himself. Oh, yeah. It's so terrible. It's yet another like, oh, it's the super gun, it's gonna blow up everything. I and I've come to just hate that book so much. Luckily, it's only a couple issues. Yeah, but that's that's the I, one. That's I, probably I, the closest thing I've come to hating anything Star Wars. Where I'm just like, I'm so mad that this still exists. Yeah. You know, because it, it started out so well in Dark Empire, and it just it just well, the, lost the, the Leviathan one. I didn't. I was just really disappointed because it went back to the Jedi Academy. You know, and it was based around the Jedi Academy books. You know, the the I, I guess they would be teen books. Yeah. Which were so written so well, and they gave you so much into you know so much more insight to Jason and Jane at the time. But yeah, oh, it's fun the, reading those now. Uh, <laughs> you read the Legacy series because that, that the final book in the Legacy series, the quotes at the beginning of each chapter are from those those books. Oh really? Yep, they're little stories from each book, and I was like, wow, you got to go back and read those now. Yeah, because oh, Legacy series just beat you. In the, I love that series so much. Um, anybody, favorite main character? Luke. I'm surprised. I thought it would be Han. Nah, Luke. Yeah, mine was always Luke. It was always easy when you were a kid and you you were playing Star Wars when you got to pick because it's like everyone wanted to be Han. So I was I was always Luke because everyone else I knew everyone wanted to be Han. It was like I want to be Han, I want to be Han. I ended up like four people that were Han, and there's that poor guy that you make Lando. Yeah. Oh yeah. Even though where I lived, it was like there's no there's no black kids. (laughs) Yeah. That one guy's like, why do I have to be Lando? I had a Pakistani friend. He ended up being Lando. (laughs) That was as close as we had for a while. Uh, favorite non-main character. Hmm. In canon or out of canon? Doesn't matter. Probably Boba Fett. Out of canon now would be Mara Jade. No, in canon would be Bosk. Obviously, yeah. Bosk fans unite. Uh, gee, I don't know. Let's see. An EU character that would become a favorite. Uh... Oh, it it would be uh Cal Scarata from uh Travis's Republic Commando oh, yeah. series. I love that dude. That guy I, was awesome. I I like Dash Randar. Yeah, Shadows of the Empire never felt right to me. 
Randall was basically Han Solo. He was Han Solo. Yeah, it was, it was the replacement. He even he even dies in the end like Han Solo was supposed to. Yeah. Um, well, if you want to play the video game, he doesn't necessarily die. He, he doesn't die. It, in the book you it, can't tell. Yeah, it, it just kind of blows up, but you comic. don't know if he dies or not. Yeah. They, they they left it ambiguous in the comic too, in case it be, proved to be a success to come back to yeah. it. So, uh, your favorite ship or vehicle, or you can do both. Uh, gotta go with the X-Wing. It's always been my favorite. My vehicle was the AT-AT. If I had to pick a flying... Sh- I, you know, I'd, I'll be honest. In terms of a design sense, I'd go with Republic Junk Gunship. Really? I love uh, not that Not the Naboo? What's that? Not the Naboo Starfighter? No. I'd go... Oh, no. I'd pick the gen- gunship over... The, the, I love the design work. And I, I, the, most people, don't, for some reason, don't, I love the design work in, in the prequels. The gunship, the ARC-170 is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, the Naboo Starfighter really grew on me. I hated that thing when I first saw it because it's like, ah, oh, it doesn't look like Star Wars. I don't want anything new. Yeah. And then I saw it and I was like, okay, this is kind of cool. It wasn't until I started playing it in the Rogue Squadron game. I'm like, oh my god, this is awesome. Uh, yeah, the X Wing is always, my, always, always my favorite. The X Wing was was great. Um, but I also love the Snow Speeder. The which... Snow. I, I think if I had to pick something before then, like if I picked classic, it would probably be the Snow Speeder too because the my connection to uh to hoth i love hoth so and i always like the uh the atst yeah so I, was, so I was a big walker fan like i remember the first time i saw jedi like why don't they just use the walkers i want the walkers again because you only see it for that half so you yeah. get that stupid tease mm-hmm. when they bring when they bring luke to the uh to the landing pad um i love the tidarium design too the and tie interceptor the, the speed the tie the bomber biker. was one of my favorites too yeah the tie bomber was always one of my favorites because it was so like you saw it for just a second it was just there for a little bit so you kind of fell in love with those sort of things my my favorite imperial ship is the tie interceptor Tie interceptor was cool and i like the superstar destroyer they should give you wings for that lego to make the interceptor also yeah <laughs> they really should um so let's get into modern times. Okay. How did you feel when Disney purchased Lucasfilm? Since it was after uh, the Marvel purchase, I was okay with it. I was happy. Yeah, I think a lot of people realized when they bought Marvel that they didn't. They enhanced it. You know, some people still have complaints. Of, of I the tell you what, though, stuff, but because uh, you know I'd already been part of the Five of First, for, you know, forums and the R two Builder forums, and the day it happened. My, I think, I think I had like, like 1500 emails in my, you know, in, in my folder at one time unopened. That's the most I think I've ever had at one time. And it was just all the same thing. Oh my God, Disney, you know, they're going to ruin it. They're going to tear it up. It's just going to be horrible. And then it started going on after it calmed down a little bit. Wait a minute. What's going to happen to us as the fan groups? You know, what's going to happen to the R2 builders? What's going to happen to the 501st? Are they going to shut us down? And every, you know, so there was a panic for that for a good while. Excuse me, a good while until, you know, we see that Disney's fully embraced it. Yeah, well, I mean, they have that reputation, but I think they've always, I think their reputation is a little bit unwarranted because they were going after people that were definitely infringing on their copyright for mm-hmm. profit, which the fan groups aren't, for the most part, aren't, you know, profit groups. So. Right. They're doing it. I think Disney understands some of the thing of doing stuff for love and and kind of letting it go, and also understanding that you know if you're going to go after one of the you're going to start these groups that that exploded before you purchased them, you know, 
if you start doing you that start now, to alienate you're, yeah, your you're audience. Gonna, you're gonna yeah. see that. Well, you know, and with the with the groups, you can't buy. I mean, you can buy the armor altogether. You know, but most of the time, you if you're buying it from that, it has to come from a costume. You know, a certified costume place. Yeah. If you're buying the art, you can't buy a fully assembled R two D two, and even the uh, you right. know the builders will tell you, no, I can't. Well, it's sell also you. since that there's nothing, there's nothing that it has an affiliation with Lucasfilm that sells those things either. Except you know now they're starting to get it. They're with starting the new licenses to, but, and things. But I don't think you know. It's not the same as like building toys or or building you know, right. making T-shirts or stuff like that that you're infringing on or licenses that people are already paying for. Um, did you feel when new films got announced? I was would excited. Three films. I've always wanted seven, eight, and nine, and you know I've been one of those people. I think we had that conversation. You know, I think one time you were like, "It's never going to happen. Just let it go. Stop talking about it." And then it was one of those things where once they they made the announcement. I just was excited, especially knowing that the original three were going to be in it. Yeah, I couldn't remember if, if there was ever a point where I was like, oh my God, this is never, ever, ever going to happen. But I guess there was. And I remember when we were at Cel- Celebration, Pablo Hidalgo actually said that too. He's like, if you would have asked me five years ago if there was going to be more films, I would have told you there's no way. Right. Because as he said, he didn't think Lucasfilm could afford it to make mm-hmm. the films that they would have made, that they would have need to made to make Well, the, even Lucas said, I'm not going to do them. Yeah. So... I was excited too, and and I had a little bit of trepidation when they also announced the the spinoff films too. So I'm like, oh, that's five years of Star Wars films in yeah. five years. I thought it was definitely going to be overkill, you know? but you know, hopefully they've they've done they've done something where it's going to be different enough that you'll you'll enjoy those three. Um, well, I tell you what, especially after Celebration and finding out what Rogue Squadron is about, I've come to accept them and be like, okay, there there's there sounds like they've they've got a good plan, they've got an idea of what they want to do. Yeah. Well, as I say, when they when they first kind of announced them, and they said it's got to be, you really have to set it up as a standalone film, and that's kind of to me is kind of almost the exciting, most exciting part of it is that it's going to be two hours, two and a half hours that you can go in and get out, and you don't have to wait right. for anything. It's not going to be a lot of setup because you're already in, immersed in that universe, so you you get to skip all that. You know, if you start a new for, you know, a new film right now, you have to you have to build your characters and all the things that you need to do mm-hmm. in terms of a sci-fi movie. You've got to build your world around it here. They've got all those shortcuts of you're in the star Wars universe and they can just tell your story, get in, get out and you're done. And I love that idea. So. What do you think about the rumor that came out today about, uh, the second anthology we'll save film. Save that for the news and notes. You want to save it? Okay. Yeah. We'll save there's, it. there's a hell of a lot of more news than that. Yeah. Uh, how'd you feel when, um, Marvel publishing got the comics back? I think for the first time, I was um, a little disappointed. I'm sorry. Wait a minute. Wait, I need to stop you for a second. There's a picture on TV there. We're watching a, base, a baseball game in the background here, and there's a gentleman wearing a T-shirt, which is a narwhal that is being ridden by a stormtrooper. Yes. <laughs> so as we're doing the Star Wars Day podcast, and we say Star Wars is everywhere, we see a gentleman in the background as a fan with a Star Wars T-shirt at a Chicago Cubs at Cleveland, the uh, Cleveland, geez, St. Louis Cardinals game. Anyway, okay, so Star, uh, Marvel announces, "Hey, we're taking the, we're getting the license back." Well, as soon as the buyout happened, I knew it was going to happen, or the purchase happened. I knew Marvel was going to get the license. Yeah, you know, I, I, there's, there was no doubt in my mind about that. I was just a little disappointed because 
I loved what Dark Horse had been doing, and at that time, what they were doing. You know, they just Brian Woods' uh, Star Wars ongoing was out, and it was doing really well. You know, they they were still putting out some of the um, Dark Time stuff, and you know, there were titles that I really liked, and they just started the the new Legacy, which was really good. So I was really disappointed, and I was afraid that. There were titles of that that I had never gotten to read of the Dark Horse stuff that I would never get a chance to. And now we know that's not true. And now we know that's not um, true. Yeah, for me it was it was kind of bittersweet because you knew what Dark Horse had done. Mm-hmm. They had as big a role as, as anybody else. If really maybe even a bigger role because it was monthly. Whereas right. Timothy Zahn's books, there was a year in between. Once you hit December of 91... There was a Star Wars book on the shelf for every month for, mm-hmm. I mean, till, I mean, still now there's there's a book every month. Um, but one of the things I was hoping for because I I had said that I thought there was I wouldn't have been shocked if it if it didn't go back to Marvel because it seemed like Marvel wasn't interested in doing licensed comics, and then they sold a million copies of Star Wars number one. So they I know like, oh, right, no. um, <laughs> and they've but, done a good job so far. But my hope was because Marvel had that stable of talent. Yes, that they could get some of their best people to work on it, and and we've had writers like Jason Aaron and Kieran Gillen, who's killing it on Dark Vader. Salvador LaRocca doing the art. Stewart Immerman just got announced as the you know a little while ago just got announced as the Star Wars artist to take over after John Cassidy. Um, well, let's face it. Also, you comics have, you are have a different Alex world. Min- yeah, but it, it's also where the talent was. These guys are in right. Marvel stable already. Mark Wade is writing a book for Marvel. Mm-hmm. He's writing another book for Marvel. He's doing the all-new Avengers on the other side of Secret Wars. They go to him and say, have you ever have Star Wars stories? And he's, yeah, I've got a Princess Leia story. Oh, everybody's Boom. always wanted. Jason Aaron. Yeah, yeah but, but not everyone. Dark Horse has said they, sometimes they struggled for talent, and right. it was tough. And there were some, pro, some practices that Lucasfilm had, which was very difficult, too, in terms of original art. I always remember that story when I was talking to Colin Wilson's uh, manager. Where he said one one of the problems is you don't get to keep your own art. Yeah, Lucasfilm or no, Lucasfilm had right of first refusal, so they would get to take some of the stuff and they would either use it or they would sell it or whatever they would do. So it was hard to work for you. People didn't want to work for right. the Star Wars license because you knew all the work I'm putting in, unless it gets me to go to somewhere else, this this isn't helping in terms yeah. of artists. I mean, the writers were still really good, but I think one of the great things that Marvel's done is that this stable of really good talent is able to come in and work on on these books and you've also given another outlet to someone like <clears throat> um all of a sudden I lost the name of the guy who's writing Kanan uh, oh, from the uh, Rebels is it Kin- is is Kinberg writing it no it's somebody else it's no. some it's, it's someone who's like a main writer on the show but this is his chance to yeah. kind of rewrite it so that's been that's been fantastic um so I was really glad they were doing that how did you feel when Lucasfilm announced expanded universe was officially in a way I was really distraught at first until you and I really had a conversation about it until I, until I talked you off a ledge and finally made sense <laughs> yeah because there were so many great stories and so many great things and so there many still is but no, so many great characters I should say there but, still are um, I know but I, I love Jaina and Jason. I loved Mara Jade. I, you know, I loved all these characters. This is the thing. The Mara Jade thing has been the one where everyone keeps telling me, it's like, the problem I had is we're never going to get another Mara Jade story. You have to remember something. When Timothy Zahn wrote those last two novels yeah. to fill out the Ballantine contract, he said himself, I'm not writing another Mara Jade story. They did choices of one. 
and then they did the second one with her when she was still in the service of the Empire. Mm-hmm. And that's where he said, I'm not doing Jade again. And then obviously they kill her in Legacy. Yes. Spoiler alert. Um, they had said, we're not doing any more Mara Jade stories. That character's arc was done. Right. So you weren't going to get new Mara Jade stories anyway. Right. So it's like, you didn't really lose anything there. Well, and I was, but I was just kind of like, you know, I, I thought when they announced the new movies that maybe she would, and who knows, she there there may be some you know some resurrection, yeah, I just, I just but don't I don't can, but I don't think you can. I don't because I think I think if you resurrected, it's fan service. I mean, for me, when I heard it, I'd always known they weren't canon, and I had already gone through that with Clone Wars right. because of my attachment to Karen Travis's Republic Commando books. My anger of the EU just kind of getting shoved aside was already there when they changed Mandalore. Because right. not only did Travis set up the history of Mandalore in the Legacy book series, but she was doing the current the current sort of Clone Wars type, this is what Mandalore would be, this right. is when where this these guys would be. Was, and, yeah. and that all gets shoved to the side. So I kind of worked through all that there. When they finally announced it, I'm like, okay, it doesn't take away see, anything from me. No, And I also knew... It, in immediately I took that empathetic stance of taking a step back and going, why would they do this? Right. And the reason was if you're going to hire somebody like JJ Abrams or anybody else and tell them you need to go make a $300 million motion picture, but you had to, but the first thing I got to do, you have to read 65 novels over a thousand comics, play 40 games, Look at all this stuff online. Just I want you to just keep clicking Wikipedia over and over and yeah. over and over and over again. Well, and you just couldn't do it. Lucas had already said, you know, that the expanded universe was the expanded universe and it's not canon. That the only thing to him that's canon are the films and the TV stuff. Right. Now And he had taken pieces from it. I mean right. there were pieces oh, yeah. in canon. As as is the the story had gone, he really loved the Elia Secura character, uh-huh. the the blue Twi'lek and the um I can't I remember the dark Quinlan Voss. He yes. loved that story. And so he made sure that they, you know, and especially in A-listers, they were shown the, in the film. The and double-sided Quinlan, lightsaber. Yeah, he, used, he used Quinlan in um, the Clone Wars TV series mm-hmm. for, for a stretch. So there was stuff that was going to... He pulled certain stuff. Yeah, there were things that he enjoyed. There so were some ships. It was an interesting thing some... because it, it felt like for a number of years that he just completely ignored it. But mm-hmm. again, as as interviews were coming out, some of the people that were working on it, Dave Filoni and, and Pablo Hidalgo and Leland Chi, he said, no, Lucasfilm was, Lucas was, was invested. If he didn't read it completely, he at least knew of it. Right. You know, and he he was reading the comics all the time because it was, it was an easy investment. So he read those comic series like crazy. Well, Kashyyyk, you know, came out of it. So did Coruscant. You know, I mean, yeah, I, I mean, everything know. starts with the, when going back to the West right. End games of trying to to retell those type of stories. Um, but see, so yeah, I did. I I kind of just let it roll off my back and wasn't really a big deal to me. So, um, but what did you feel when they then announced a new canon would be established and that there would be a story continuity group, a canon group that would be looking at everything going forward, comics, games, books. TV, movies, and they would do everything that they could to make it fit. It's not going to be perfect. They've already admitted yeah. it's not going to be perfect. I love this idea. Yeah, I, I love this idea too. And and I'll tell you, I love it even more after Celebration. I got so excited mm-hmm. for the new stories that they're telling and the way that they're telling it. And you could see 
the passion in the people that were on these panels that, that I was going to in these interviews that I were seeing of them going, this is so much fun now because you, you get to that point where you have the sandbox that's almost 40 years old. Right. And now there's so much sand in it. You can't build the castle because you, there's not enough sand left and you're just sitting there and every, you're handcuffed. And we saw how many things changed just even within, con, within canon. They changed the origin of Darth Maul, where he was from. Yep. I always go back to the story of the very first two things that they they released was Heir to the Empire and Dark Empire. Mm-hmm. And Heir to the Empire takes place five years after Jedi and the New Republic has established itself as the government of the largest portion of the galaxy. They're safe and secure on Coruscant. Dark Empire was released six months later. Yeah. It takes place a year after and the Imperial factions, two of them are on Coruscant fighting yeah. each other. Yep. The first two pieces already contradict each other. Right. And they had to go back and try and tell the story of, in, in Rogue Squadron, they tell the story of how they retake Coruscant, yes. or at least the very start of it. And then all that of they a sudden, had, that's right, yeah, they and had they had to put in, yeah. it in like a, 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 a online dock or whatever right. of how Coruscant falls from the, from the Republic back into the Empire's hands, and then they have to take it back again. And it's all because there weren't editors that were talking to each other. Yeah. It wasn't, no one at Dark Horse called you know, uh, Bantam and go, hey, what is what the hell is your book about? Yeah. Well, there's this cool thing. You're sitting there reading Dark Empire. Going, they never even mentioned Thrawn? I mean, Thrawn almost took over a quarter of the Republic's space. And, yeah. and yet he's not even mentioned in the book. And so it, it it's definitely... I mean, even Marvel is starting to do this too. You know, with with the superhero side of things. You know, the, well, they've the always movies, kind of done the it. The movies yeah. and stuff are starting to get closer. I mean, granted, there's never going to be... I mean, of course, we don't know what's going to happen after Secret Wars. They could just well, it's tougher because you don't own everything, right? That's the other problem. I mean, the the, the whole Marvel thing is a complete other mess because right. you don't own everything, so you can't you can't tell the history of the Avengers without mutants, and you can't mm-hmm. use you can't use mutants in the movie. So one of the, one of those is going to have to fall. Right. In Star Wars, it is all one piece now. But after reading Tarkin and and being in the middle of Lords Lords of the Sith, starting to hear you know. Things that, you know, like they mentioned Ahsoka in Lords of the Sith. They mentioned Hera. You know, she's the sister of, of one of the main, uh, you know, protagonists in it. That it's it's really cool to know that all of this stuff fits together. Yeah, I got I to gotta finish New Dawn. <laughs> Last week was hell. I didn't get a chance to read as much as I wanted to. Well, New Dawn fits in after Tarkin. New Dawn should. Be. I was looking at. I was looking yeah, at how they be have like right around the same time or just after. Because because Tarkin's when they first introduced Tie Fighters. Yeah, because they're using right, the yeah. V wings before that. That's right. Yeah, so it would be at least a year before because Tark the Tie Fighters are all over. Uh, right. New Dawn. Um. How excited are you for episode seven? I love that you put down which, eight. They put eight. Okay, how how excited are you for eight? <laughs> Two and a half years away. I think eight might. I think eight might come out before Batman Superman. I'm gonna be honest. <laughs> um, no, I I'm so excited for seven, especially after seeing the second trailer or the second teaser. Um, that's a trailer. That's not a teaser. They call I, they it, keep it, a tra- it a teaser. They keep calling it a teaser. That's not a teaser. That's like forty five seconds. Yeah. Or I don't know more than that. I think. Like how much like more seconds? do you want to show? Oh god! Because you know, of course, this, the, you want you want to talk about hating something. The real trailer will end up showing Luke and Leia in it. I bet. Well, they're they're probably still doing the CGI. 
to get them to look. Uh, Vanity Fair gave away too much to me. Well, I mean, they're we'll in a day now. That. Yeah, yeah. All, so, um, what about Rogue One? I'm really excited for Rogue One. I'm excited because it's something completely different. We've never had a standalone yeah. live action film like this. So that's, to me, I'd almost say as excited I am for Seven. It's it's I'm really excited and intrigued by what Rogue One's going to be because I think it's going to be massively important because you're going to get through this trilogy and you're not going to see another. It's going to be really tough to do another trilogy. Yeah, and I think. This is what Lucasfilm, Lucasfilm wanted to do this. There can be. There's, I'm not saying there isn't going right. to be. It's going to be difficult to try and find a trilogy to keep this in theaters mm-hmm. all over again. You have a single film. You can do a single film every other year. And right. you have such a variety of subjects that you can get. And here you have something where you have a piece that fits in the middle. It's not going to have characters that you necessarily recognize. It's not going to be somebody that you would see before. Mm-hmm. Um as we talk in our, our next show about what the story could be for the second one, there's a lot of characters that are in armor or costumes or what have you that you can do movies with characters that you'd recognize. Chewbacca, right. Darth Vader, Boba Fett, Bosk. You can do that film without the actors who originally played Correct. them 30 years ago. You can make these pieces... Oh, no way. Oh, no, okay. Never mind. Um, <laughs> Uh, you can make these these films and, and put them in different places. You're going to see an old Republic film. You're going to see a Height of the Jedi right. film. You're going to see... And you can do different genres. You, could even you, can, do... you can make the Star Wars horror film. You can make the Star Wars action-adventure film. You know, you can make the Star Wars... Hell, you can make the Star Wars romance film if you want to. Mm-hmm. You know, you can do that sort of thing. So I think that's definitely... Yoda, you know, yeah. as a Padawan. You go back and show Yoda just like a young stud. Yeah. <laughs> Kill you, I will. <laughs> the show, the the episode of Yoda and Yaddle that gets together. Uh, freaky green love we will have. <laughs> uh, Rebel season two. I'm so excited. Yeah, that, that trailer was the trailer for that was amazing. Uh, by the way, do show. you know that uh, they're going to show the two the two part episode, the premiere, in June, and then you have to wait till fall for the season to start. <laughs> Didn't they do that with the first season? No, it was only a couple of weeks before, wasn't yeah. it? With the first season? It was the week know. before, yeah. They started. Yeah. Did they start right away? Yeah. Well. But then they showed it over and over again. Then they went back and they showed the extended edition that had Darth Vader in it. <laughs> but yeah, they're in June. I think it's the first week of June or so they're going to have the uh, two-parter. Yeah. Well, it's, it's an exciting time. And I, and I think that, I mean, Celebration especially, I walked out of that realizing how excited i am for this next chapter i mean i'm reading new dawn i read tarkin i have the other books that i still need to get to the air of the air to the air of the jedi yeah the the thing about with it being in canon and everything is now you want to read, read them in order yeah well at least it's also because there's different pieces that fit in there yeah. too i mean that's once the eu started getting into that point and you started to get especially like with rogue squadron well, you know, like with Tarkin, where you saw some of the stuff in the because the books take place. Excuse me, took books takes place after the comic series, and you see stuff in the books that would reference something that happened in the comic series. So that yeah. was fun. Well, you know, in Tarkin, when they're talking about the uh, the vulture droids attacking, you know, and they're not being controlled by a ship, and you know, the piece together uh, uh, capital ship that's coming after Tarkin and everything. Uh, that's all in you know how that happens is all in the previous book. Yeah, and it's not. It's it's they've done it where, kind of like what Shield did with Age of Ultron this time. You know, you don't have to read the other one to know what happened. 
No, it's but just, if it's, you do, it's the little pieces, yeah, right. If you do read it, then you get that you know a little bit more. Than yeah, somebody. that's the sort of thing that like we're talking. About. It's just a fun sort of thing to have. Yeah, and that's what the EU was. A lot of EU was about, especially if it was in different, you know, different genres, whether it was a book or a comic. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's an exciting time to be a Star Wars fan, especially today on May the Fourth, Star Wars Day. Um, I think that's it. every uh, every podcast we do has Star Wars in it now. Yeah, we might I think as well so. just make it the the Star Wartables, Star Wars Warsables, Star Warsables. Um, but yeah, that was basically it. We wanted to to celebrate Star Wars today and talk a lot about it and get an hour or so under our belt, and hopefully it hasn't been too boring. Uh, it's, it's, a good, it's a it's a great topic for us to talk about because yeah, we I are hope very, so because we, we talk are very about passionate it every about it. Not really. Neither of us really like Star Wars. It's <laughs> all an act. Uh, it's funny. It's funny when I got up this morning. Arabella had to make sure she put on her Star Wars T-shirt to wear to school. Beth wore hers. You know, I had mine. Actually, I I didn't buy this for May the Fourth, but I bought this T-shirt a little while ago. And I was like, I should probably save that. I'll wear that on May the Fourth. I was going to wear. My also, it, it, it is kind of different. Like I think three years ago or so, I was just like, this is kind of dumb. Yeah. Just because of the thing, but well, you know how it now. started, right? Disney Disney World started doing uh, Star Wars. Started on the internet because well, people are made memes. But yeah, but Disney. My was favorite doing one is the Star uh, Wars the weekends. One. The Mike Tyson says May the Fourth. <laughs> he's <laughs> trying to say it. He was May the Fourth. Uh, no, but Disney was doing Disney was doing Star Wars weekends every weekend of May, and then you know the Star Wars people joking around with, "Hey, Fourth sounds like Force. May the Fourth be with you." So. You know, yeah. the weekend started because of Disney. The day, you know, the calling it today was a fan thing. Yeah. But if you notice, this year is the first year that they're really calling it Star Wars Day. So it's Life it, Day. It's it's because that's what it should be. But it's <laughs> no. So yeah. Where's Where's B. Arthur singing, singing our songs? Oh. So yeah. So we have May the Fourth. We hope everybody uh, celebrates that in Revenge of the Fifth. Uh, or Cinco de Mayo, whichever one you want to drink to, <laughs> give you an excuse, <laughs> right? We're on it. Where are we? I don't. I don't even remember the clothes. Uh, yeah, we're, we're on nerdables. dot com. We're on Facebook. Facebook slash backslash. Facebook <laughs> backslash nerdables. Uh, we're on. Are we still on Stitcher? Yes, we're Stitcher. On Stitcher. We're on iTunes. SoundCloud. We're on SoundCloud. We're Tune on Twitter in. at Nerdable Show. There you go. I think that's it. That's okay. it. <laughs> so for Rich, this is Chris saying, uh, may the force be with you and Star Wars is forever. <laughs>